Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, hey, good morning, church. Glad to see you here and uh, worshiping with you online at home. Glad to be together to worship the Lord today. It's a great day. I want to make just a couple of notes as we, uh, as we get underway. The first is that, as we were already praying, we're praying for um, the people in Kentucky and um, just for the Lord's care. And, and uh, there's going to be, uh, from the church, an act of charity toward that uh, tragedy. This is like a 100-year storm over there, guys. So uh, you'll see something coming from the church we can do together. But I just encourage you to be responsive and praying for the people that are hurting so bad over there. And for First Pres, it's a big day for us. There's a little concert this afternoon called Christmas Joys. Anybody going to that? And uh, there's like a couple tickets left in the very back in the balcony. Um, Adele tickets in Las Vegas, someone told me, are selling for $32,000. So um, if anybody wants my ticket today, this afternoon, um, you can talk to me after the service. But uh, no, we got a great concert today. There's lots going on in the life of the church. Um, and I want to give you some good news, bad news. Good news, bad news, right? What do you like, for, what do you like first? Bad? Good? I'm, I'm a good news first guy, but everybody all day has been saying bad news so that I can feel better after the bad news. Um, so the sanctuary project is underway. Uh, when you open up a building for renovation that has not been touched since 1959, you find some exciting things. And uh, we found some exciting things. Uh, the, the bad news is that uh, we're going to have uh, Christmas uh, in the parking lot. No, we're... we're <laughs> We are going to have Christmas in the sanctuary, but the bad news is that we're not going to be done with the, the pews and everything. We're still going to be a little bit under construction, but we're going to set it up really nice for Christmas. It's going to be awesome and beautiful, but that's the bad news. Do you want the good news? The good news is the church and its faithfulness and its generosity. We already have raised enough money to cover all that project. The Lord's already provided for everything to be done, so we're really excited and, and uh, celebrating that. And then lastly, as was noted, you'll see that, you know, as we march toward the end of the year, we start to give you our, uh, where we are in the, as a church in our budget, and uh, we're looking for about $600,000 more that we need to bring together for this, this uh, mission year of 2021, and um, I think Noah's just going to cover that. Noah, are you going to cover it? So don't worry about that. No. <laughs> Um, now, we're, we're going to uh, give to the Lord. If you have, have not yet prayed about including First Pres in your end of year giving, this is just my call to ask you, pray about it. Maybe it's your first time giving a gift to the church. I don't know. Maybe it's the continuation of faithfulness and giving for you, but uh, would love to know that you're participating in what the Lord's doing here so we can finish 2021 and then step into 2022 with a lot of confidence. So pray about that and jump in. Let's get into the family of God. We're talking about the family of God, and today we're going to talk about Joseph. So Matthew 2 is our passage, 13 to 23. Let's open our scriptures up to Matthew 2. And as we open the, the Bible, let's open our hearts to God in prayer. Now, I don't know what that noise is. I'm sorry. Is there a, I don't know what that is. Alan, do you know what that noise is? Okay. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you so much for your love and mercy. And we thank you for your word, that your word is... Uh, is true. Your word is, is right. Your word speaks into the silence. It drives through the darkness. It brings light. It brings healing. Over all other words, let your word come into our lives and bring us to faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Matthew 2, verse 13. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. They had gone, the Magi had gone. That's who had gone. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen? Amen. All right. The family of God... Father Joseph, Joseph the father. That's the message today. Joseph, Joseph is the strong, silent type, isn't he? I mean, I say that because the scripture doesn't give us a single word that he says. And there's very few people who come into the Bible and they do awesome things in obedience to God and they never say a word. Now, Joseph is one of those guys. So he's the strong, silent type. I mean, he must not have been a guy of a lot of words. Some people use more words than other people. Have you noticed that? Some people actually use, they say, upwards of thirty to 40,000 words per day. Anybody just want to say, that's me, right? 30 to 40,000 a day. <laughs> that's a lot, right? 30 to 40,000 words a day. Now, most of us, though, most of us average around four or 5,000 words per day. Joseph averaged 12. <laughs> That's all he needed, 12 words. Why? Because he, was, he wasn't known for what he was saying. He was known for what he was doing. Joseph is a doer. He's a faithful kind of doer. Whatever God asks him to do, that's what he does. And church, this is the man that God chose to raise his son. This is the man that God chose to protect Mary and Jesus from harm. A man of humble, faithful obedience. Young men are having a hard time um, figuring out who to look up to as sort of models of, of godly manhood or godly character. You know that? It's like, who do I look up to? Who do I? So guys, who do you look up to? I mean, for me, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, <laughs> as you could probably tell. <laughs> what? what are you laughing at? <laughs> now, who do you look up to, you know? Who do you have out in front of you? 
I mean, there's this, there's this kind of a, a wave, this kind of this culture wave that's actually saying, like, you can't look up to anybody. Actually, there's a culture wave that's saying, you know what? I, there is no such thing as a good man. There's no such thing. I know young men who are going, entering into their lives, going into environments, going into different places and think, I've got to walk so gingerly. I've got to walk so carefully. I have to be so cautious about just being a man, about just being male. Because what the world is telling me is that just by being who I am, just by being a male, I'm going to accidentally damage the people around me. Male toxicity, right? Have you heard that? Folks, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculousness. It's absolute foolishness. But here's what's happening. When, when there's ridiculousness that is the predominant cultural wave, well, then there's, there's a subversive resistance to that that swings the pendulum the other way. And so now you've got young men gathering around fringe psychologists and, and popular podcasters who are trying to call these young men into a, a kind of masculine, subversive resistance. And say, well, all right, well, we're going to be those red-blooded, aggressive, kind of like, you know, uh, power-hungry men that you say we are. Like, if you, that's what we say I am. That's what, we're going to be that, right? That's not the right way to go either. And now we've got, you know, you've also got good, well-intentioned Christian authors, Christian pastors saying, look, I want to say there's a difference between being a man being a woman. I want to say that there's something special about being a man. But they characterize the whole thing as, as sort of like uh, adventure, outdoor adventure and conquering. That's what it is to be a man. You get to the point where it feels like, look, if you are not currently bleeding somewhere on your body from, you know, from, from crashing into a tree on your mountain bike, you're, you're not trying hard enough, you know? Because you got to get out there. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm for riding around on a mountain bike as much as the next guy. But I don't think Band-Aids are the actual measure of godly character. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. Here's what I want to say. You young men that are trying to find someone to look up to, you older men that are just trying to figure out what is it to be a guy and a Christian guy in our culture today, the model that you're looking for might not be up on a stage with a bunch of spotlights. And they might not be gathering a crowd of Instagram followers and, and a crowd of podcast su subscribers. The model that you're looking for might be to your right and to your left, right now where you sit. They might be toward the back of this room wearing name tags that say servant men of humble, faithful obedience. This is what we need. So I want to lift up Joseph. I just want to look at Joseph. It's a different model, you know? Who is Joseph and why did God, why did, what, what was Joseph's spiritual track, his spiritual pathway to get closer to Jesus? In his quiet obedience, he offers one more spiritual pathway to get near to the Lord and to find his way into the family of God at home with Jesus, Joseph. Joseph became a father the day Jesus was born. Uh, there's lots of competing legends about Joseph, and uh, you know, one of them is that he had all kinds of kids before coming into his, uh, his, his life with Mary, but I, I, actually, I actually believe that, that, that was, that's not the thing that makes the most sense, that, that Joseph and Mary, they came together as, uh, as fiancés, and, and they got married, and, and it's Jesus who was their child, Jesus their first child, and, and that Joseph became a father 
when Jesus came into their family. But he became a father, note this, by adoption. He became a father by adopting a boy that is not biologically his own. He, he became a father. And Jesus became his son. And Joseph became the father. And Joseph found himself in being Jesus' dad. That's how Joseph became father. Father. The passage today is one that um, doesn't get read and preached all that much. It's called The Flight to Egypt. And I want us to look at it. I want us to see how important this is to the story of Christmas, the, the history of the Messiah coming into the world. But along the way, what I want us doing is looking at Joseph. I want you to watch Joseph. What does he decide to do? How does he decide to act? What is his unique spiritual pathway? What is his unique contribution as, as somebody who, who's made up the way he is? He's got his own personality type, his own mannerisms. How does a guy like Joseph, a person of humble and quiet obedience, walk closer to Jesus? And I want the, yeah, I, I do. I want this, you know, I want this, this guy to be looking at Joseph as a model, but this is for all of us. For all of us, this is a way to Jesus in that faithful and humble obedience. I want us to see it. So how does Joseph get closer to Jesus? How does, he, how does he activate this kind, of, uh, this kind of humble personality, this quiet personality of faithful obedience? How does he do that? Well, we see it. And in fact, not only do we see it play out, but we see it in the passages before the passage that we've read. If you know a little bit about the story of Joseph. Joseph, he got engaged to Mary. We're gonna get married, woo -hoo. And then you remember what happened? Mary... This is one of the most precious scriptures in all the Bible. Was found to be pregnant. Right? <laughs> huh. Well, that's a lot to think about, right? What does Joseph do? You know, he would have been tempted by other forms of masculinity to respond with anger. He could have been tempted by, by another way of being a man to go after Mary. I'm getting you out of my life. I'm getting you out of the city. I'm taking you to the city gates where they'll deal with you with stones. Right? That's not Joseph. Joseph, in his, uh, his careful way of balancing his absolute love and desire to, to be faithful to God and to God's law and his absolute love and mercy for those people around him, Joseph finds this way. And what does he resolve to do? He resolves to, to divorce her quietly. And at the, the cost of his own reputation, his own personal convenience, he decides to do it in a way that honors the most as best he can. And it's just when he's thinking about that that God shows up in a dream. Matthew 1. But after he had considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Church, read those next four words with me, would you? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear sends you down all the wrong roads. Fear sends you down all the wrong responses. Fear sends you down all kinds of, of horrible eventualities. Do not, if you want to be a man of God, Joseph, just don't, do not be afraid. And do not be afraid to do what? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you 
are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What does the Lord say to Joseph? He says, Joseph, marry her anyway. What does Joseph do? He marries her anyway. What does God say to Joseph? He says, Joseph, you take care of her and you take care of the child as your own. What does Joseph do? He takes care of her. He takes care of the child as his own. That's Joseph. Faithful obedience. And this was to fulfill prophecy. Remember that. Now what else do we know about Joseph? Before we get here, Joseph was a man who honored uh, the authorities with due respect. What do I mean? A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Anybody remember that? A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Great. A lot of people in Joseph's shoes, a lot of guys, would say, well, I didn't vote for Caesar Augustus, right? I don't even like Caesar Augustus. So here's what he can do with his decree, right? It is not out of the range of possibility. In fact, it's very reasonable to assume that you would not get in a a far-flung governed province like Judea, you would not get out of a decree from Rome, from Caesar, 100%, you know, uh, obeyance with something like that. No, there'd be a lot of guys around Joseph who would be, you know what? A decree came from Caesar Augustus. That's way over there. And I don't like Rome, and I don't like Caesar, and here's what he can do with his decree. And a lot of these guys, they wouldn't go. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't have compliance with it. And Joseph would have had a lot of reason to go along with those guys. He'd say, look, look, yeah, you're right. You know what? Uh, And my wife is pregnant, and and I don't have a lot of money to make this comfortable for us. And, And I'll tell you something. My birthplace is I mean, my hometown's Bethlehem. That's a long ways away. So you know what? A decree came from, from Augustus Caesar. Here's what I say. If Augustus Caesar needs his tax money, he can come get it from me. Right? Anybody with me? <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. That's not Joseph. You know, long before Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, Long before Paul said in Romans 13 to honor the governing authorities that are over you. Long before Peter wrote to his church and said you've got to give due respect to the authorities in your city and you even have to honor the emperor. Long before any of that happened, Joseph would have grown up knowing the teaching that the fourth commandment, sorry, not the fourth commandment, that the commandment and the ten commandments to honor your father and your mother, gee whiz, which one is that? (laughs) fourth is Sabbath I'm looking at Jeff I'm too tired and lost and now I dug myself quite a ditch (laughs) but what they taught was that that commandment it's the fifth isn't it it's the fifth fifth somebody in here knows (laughs) and you're not telling me (laughs) Uh, to honor your father and your mother uh, is uh Along with that is the command to honor the the authorities that are put over you, to give due respect where respect is due. And Joseph knew that. He grew up with that. Joseph went to Bethlehem. He went to Bethlehem. Church, if he did not go to Bethlehem, prophecy would not have been fulfilled. Jesus would have been born 
in Nazareth. Jesus is born in Bethlehem because, because Joseph is a man of humble obedience, faithful, reverent, and gives respect where respect is due. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. In John 7, for example, Jesus was, uh, he was teaching the crowds in a way that, that made it seem like he might be the Messiah. He was saying things like, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So people were hearing Jesus say stuff like this and they're starting to wonder who he is. And the people said, hey, when they heard this, verse 40, some people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, some said, wait, no way. Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Search the scriptures, they said, and you will know that no prophet arises from Galilee. They were starting to believe in Jesus and they couldn't believe in him because they thought, no, no, the, pro the Messiah can't come from Nazareth. The Messiah can't come from Galilee. The Messiah has got to be born in Bethlehem. And little did they know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem because of Joseph's humble obedience. You following? That's who Joseph is. Now, to our flight to Egypt, did you know that... Uh, this is just kind of interesting. The Egyptian government has recently designated the, the sort of track that Christians have, have, have noted for all these centuries of where the Holy Family went. They have marked that out and they've protected it. They've said, this is a tourist site. And so you can kind of walk. I don't know if they got them all right, you know? You know how that stuff goes. But I just mention that because I think it's pretty cool for a Muslim nation to take care of, of Christians in that way and, and to want to honor those things. That's for what it's worth. Verse 13, how did this all play out? How did this all play out? When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Why does Joseph always have to get up? <laughs> you know? Can we handle this in the morning? Get up. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. What does the Lord say? The Lord says, Joseph, get up. Get up, grab Mary, grab Jesus, get out of your house, run out on the street, and flee. Well, from what? From a threat that he can hardly even understand. You've got to get out of here right now. You've got to take your family from the comfortable situation they're in, and you have to become refugees and exiles. This moment for a threat that you can hardly even understand or perceive. Well, what does Joseph do? He does it. He gets up, and he takes the family to Egypt. It's a really good thing that I was not in charge of this one. First of all, get up doesn't work for me all that great. But I, I would have formed a committee. Like, I think the Lord's calling us to do this, but I need some discernment. We would, we would still be in the discernment stage, amen? I'm looking at my elders like, you know? when Herod's troops came busting in. No, but this is Joseph. And what the Lord tells him to do, he does. With little deliberation, with no words, with no perceptible kind of <laughs> committee, he's gone. Humble obedience. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And a good thing too, because of what comes next, is what we call the slaughter of the innocents. 
When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys. This happened before, you remember, in Egypt with Pharaoh. To kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. The voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. You can hear it, Rachel weeping, weeping, refusing to be comforted. Her children are no more. Now, church, we tend to reduce this season to frosted cookies and, and glittery cards. We kind of tend to make it in a, a kind of end of year children's December fair of some kind. Just remember this is real business, a real God who entered a real world where real children are under threat because men like Herod think nothing of taking innocent life to further their ends. But church men like Herod meet their end. Verse 19, when Herod died, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, what? Get up. Like, I just got these Egyptian thread sheets. I'm so, do I have, you know, why always the get up? Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. The Lord said, Joseph, go back home. What did Joseph do? He went back home. I think you're getting the pattern, right? What the Lord asks of Joseph, he does. With little words, little deliberation, he does it. He works in perfect obedience, total, total obedience. If God tells me to do it, that's what I'm gonna do. And you're getting the pattern now. Now, he went home to, to Nazareth. Um, there, again, there's competing legends about Joseph and where Joseph is from and all that. What makes the most sense is that Mary and Joseph are both from Nazareth. And they, they went down to Bethlehem. They went down to Egypt. But whatever business, the scripture's trying to tell you in this passage, whatever business Joseph still had in, in, in Bethlehem, he skipped that because there were still powers that be there. And he went around and back home to Nazareth. And that is why Jesus is called a Nazarene. Nazarenes, this is a little bit now a play on words. Nazir in Hebrew means set apart and devoted for holiness. And Jesus is called a Nazarene. A Nazarene. How can one man fulfill all these competing prophecies about the birth of the Messiah? How can Jesus be uh, from Bethlehem and out of Egypt and called a Nazarene? How can one little baby do all of that? How? It's the faithful obedience of Joseph. That's how. It's that Joseph has himself in the hands of God, that Joseph at every turn with few words and no perceptible deliberations, Joseph did what God told him to do. Immediately, fully, 
without reserve. Joseph is fully abandoned to God. And when he's fully abandoned to God, that means God can do things through him that he would never, ever imagine. Fully abandoned to God. Get this now. Jesus is out of Bethlehem. Out of Bethlehem. The Messiah has got to be born in Bethlehem. That's, where David, that's the city of David where the line of David is. And Bethlehem. Bethlehem is where spotless lambs are raised for the sacrifice in the temple. Jesus is out of Nazareth. Well, what does that teach us? Well, Nazareth, first of all, if Jesus, if the Son of God can come from out of Nazareth, which is this backwater, marginalized, way out there, outside of everything town, if Jesus can come from there, then maybe all of us can get home to the Lord as well because he came from all the way on the margin. But the bigger point of that is, is as the scripture says, he's called a Nazarene. Nazarene, it's a play on words. If you look up in the scripture about a Nazarite, what does a Nazarite do? A Nazarite is devoted, set, a, set apart to be devoted to God in a particular kind of devotion for either a period of time or their lifetime to, to atone for sins. And at the end of a period of devotion, what does a Nazarite do? A Nazarite comes to the temple and makes a blood sacrifice. Jesus is called a Nazarene. Jesus is out of Egypt. He's out of Egypt. This is something I can only kind of make a gesture at. It's something that we could have a full lecture on. And, but, but to have Jesus out of Egypt, listen, if we are saved, we are in Christ. And being in Christ, Christ is the representation of all the people of God. And Jesus Christ, he is the recapitulation of every covenant that God ever made with mankind. What do I mean? Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus is the new Abraham. And Jesus is the new Moses. And just as Moses he went, was in Egypt and he led his people out of Egypt and into freedom. Jesus, in Christ, we are exiled in Egypt and we are slaves and it's in Christ that we are set free and redeemed again for eternal life. You're out of Egypt. How can Jesus do all of these? How can he be born in Bethlehem, a Nazarene, out of Egypt? How can he fulfill all of that at one time and he's still in diapers? It's the faithfulness of of Joseph. Now, church, just a bit more here. Listen, do you think, do you imagine that Joseph, the carpenter, sat down and put all this together in his own mind? Said, I've got a good idea. I know, I'll take my baby and I will fulfill all the, all the different prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. That'll work out for me, you know. <laughs> do you think Joseph did that? No. Or are you with those who would say that this whole thing was made up and Matthew just stitched this together out of whole cloth because he wanted to make something out of nothing and he wrote it down and he handed it out to those around him and all the people around him who knew the real story read that, what Matthew wrote and made up and said, yeah, that, none of that's true, but let's just go along with it. Does that make sense? Church, I tell you today, this happened. And it happened because of the faithful obedience of Joseph.
He gave himself to the Lord. He said, whatever you ask, I'll do it. If you want to do what you can do, you'll pretty much know how it ends. But if you're willing to do what God asks you to do, you don't have any idea what he's going to build out of your faithful obedience. Peter, he never thought he would walk on water. But when Jesus told him to come, he did it. Paul never thought that he would plant churches to the name of Jesus across the landscape. But when the Spirit of God compelled him, he did it. The blind man never thought he was going to see again. The lame man never expected to walk. The man with the crippled hand, he never expected in all of his life that he would stretch that hand out again in full wholeness to Jesus. But when Jesus told him to do it, he did it. And it happened to the glory of the name of Jesus. Do you hear me, church? You give your life to Christ. You give yourself in faithful obedience to him, and you have no idea what he is going to build with that. Joseph is a model, a spiritual pathway. And in all your trials and all your different avenues and all your, your spiritual adventures, I ask you, have you tried total, complete, reckless, unreserved, abandoned to Jesus Christ? Your life in his hands when you try that, you'll find that there's no one who lived obedience like Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, who stepped down out of heaven, walked into our world, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming what? He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. When you try to abandon your, yourself to the Lord, when you try to walk in perfect obedience, and you say, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. When you try that, you're gonna find you need him. You need him. Lord, we thank you that you, Jesus, you call us forward, you speak to us, you interrupt us even and tell us to get up and change our plans. But when you call us, we can trust you and I just pray that you'd give us by your spirit the courage to step in faith wherever you say step, to go where you say go, to follow. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be captured by all these competing kind of visions of what's a man supposed to be? What's a woman supposed to be? What, is, what does everybody say I'm supposed to be? That we would be faithfully obedient to you, Jesus. Only you, an audience of one, our faithful Savior. We would know that our lives belong to you. Lord, ask us to come. Tell me what to do. And I'll do it. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.